business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business and People podcast. Today, we've got a super special guest on the show with us, someone who joins an illustrious group. The person that we've got on the show with us today has built their business from scratch, from the garage, the typical entrepreneur story, starting from nothing, now to a place where he's working in the super competitive construction industry and has over 120 people on his team. He is uh, amazing in, in what he does and has just been listed in the 40 under 40. He is none other than Rob Scott from Scott Coatings. Rob, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. And I wish I had a cool accent like yours, but unfortunately, I have to put up with mine. So, dude, here we you, go. you have a cool accent. Like, I wish I had a cool accent like yours. That'd be lots more. I hate the Australian <laughs> accent. For anybody that's listening, uh, I love Australia, but I hate the accent. Man, you've done some pretty cool stuff. How did you go from, like, before we clicked on record, you, you described yourself as just a humble painter, right? But that's far from the truth these days. You're a CEO that runs a 120 people company, and you're involved in some of the biggest projects in Seattle, certainly and around the area. How did you get all of this going on? Good question. So I grew up, my dad is a fireman and he's actually getting ready to retire in a few months, but he put us all through private school because the fireman in Seattle, Washington is a pretty unique position. He works two on, takes six off, and then he works a day on and he takes a few days off. But to put us all through private school, he painted houses every summer. So I grew up around the trades. I grew up, then I painted in the houses every now and then. But for sure, I told myself, there's no way in hell that I'm going to go into the construction trades. I want to wear a suit and be super fancy every single day. So I went to school, went to the University of Washington here in Seattle and minored in finance because I wanted to be a stockbroker, really sexy on New York, right? All the famous stuff. But I painted in the summer to pay my way through school. And then I ended up doing it year round, working for a painting contractor, doing estimating and project managing. And then when I graduated, I was promised a big raise and took two weeks off. And after that two weeks, I came back and I was like, all right, I've been working 60 hours a week, making diddly squat time for my raise. And guess what they said? See you later. Thanks for joining us. Not going to happen. (laughs) So I was married at the time. I got married in college and I called my wife, hoping she'd say, yeah, pack up your stuff, and leave. And then she did. And I was like, Oh, oh no. Damn. I really you really want me to do this? And I did. Wow. And we started our company and away we went. And there was a gentleman at well, I don't remember what class it was at the University of Washington that he was presenting on, I don't even know the topic. And when it was all done, he handed out his cards to everyone in the, the auditorium. And he says, anyone ever need anything, feel free to call me. I guess I had a beer with him a couple weeks ago. He, I'm the only person that's ever called him, took him up with that offer. No way. And he was a real, local real estate developer. He gave me the first project. And things just started wow. to grow from there slowly, but they started to grow. Yeah. So, I mean, so he gave you the first project. I mean, that would have kept you busy for you know, mm-hmm. you know however long it was if he's a real estate developer it was probably a couple of weeks yeah. for the project or maybe a month yeah how did you how did you get the next one and the next one and the next one like there must have been the, you you married now i'm looking on your profile you've got three beautiful kids uh, oh, i'm yeah. thinking geez that this was not a smooth transition it wasn't just hey money falling from the sky this has to be a yeah, I wish. A, a bit of a struggle it was and so 
Yeah, my wife at the time, we, it's, it's actually crazy if you think about back, because we didn't plan on this. We were married. We had just bought our first house um, because she was working and we were putting all of our money and savings to save for our first house. And then we bought it, started construction remodeling of it, and she gets laid off. Whoa. I quit and we're like, oh God, we had two Whoa. weeks of savings. So we just started grinding away. Painted. A, I started painting. We got this project. But what I knew how to do was put together estimates and okay. build relationships. So I started to do that and I would paint during the day and I would work on office stuff at night. And then we got, we had enough work for two people and that just slowly grew Wow! until we got a really big job. Actually, the office we're in is a company right now. Let's see, it's our 17th year in business. This building was one of the biggest projects we ever got. And now, I remember getting it and I, I was so scared. I was like, <laughs> what, how are we going to do this? But we just kept slowly but surely figuring it out, adding people, stretching ourselves. But it wasn't, see, 17 years in business, I probably painted off and on for the first nine just to try to wow. make payroll to figure stuff out because it's a grind. So was there, so, uh, uh, was there a day, was there a day when you've, you've clicked on the button to make payroll, for example? And you've turned to your wife and said, there's nothing left for us. Oh God. So yes. many days. Let's see. So many days. So I mean, many I did in the 2000, what was that 2008 or nine when the recession really hit the full stride, there was a year and a half when we didn't get a paycheck wow. when I, there was people in our company getting paid in our office that were getting paid. Yeah. But I painted people's kitchens Anything. outside of people's houses just to make enough money for us to wow. pay our bills. Wow. And uh, did you, no, did you have to lay anyone off at that time? We did. I don't think we laid anyone off in our office, but one of the gentlemen now who he's been here for 13 years, I know that because he's, see, my son was born a few months after he started here, Uh him and then two other people who aren't here anymore. One retired. I set them down. There was three people in the office at the time. Now there's 30. Wow. And I asked them, I said, if we all take 20% pay cuts, I think we can make it. And they said, yes, I was, I was just so scared. They're all going to say, screw you. Yeah. yeah, I'm out of here. They said, yes. Wow. And we made it through and now he's here. And Rob, that's a, that's a huge testament to you as a leader, man. Thank you. Yeah. That's a, that's a massive thing when your people have so much loyalty that they just, I'll take a pay cut just to stay with you. That's amazing. That's so good. Wow, what, yeah. what, this is this is fascinating for me. So, when did you employ your first non-painter? Who was the who was the person in your office that you you had to bring on to do something that was completely outside of your skill set? And you know, let's let's bring in a, in a person that isn't a painter. I think our first non let's see, that's a good question. Our first non-painter person was probably this gentleman here, uh, thirteen. He's been here thirteen years. He came in the office. I guess there was an admin person who helped out my wife with payroll. Yep. And then the first person was a project manager. I realized I'm good at sales and getting work, but I can't run and keep all the different administrative portions organized or yeah. I'll ruin and piss all of our customers off. Right. And so it was a project management team. And then we had a superintendent who runs all of our painters out in the field. So those, it was growing those departments. Um, I did a lot of estimating for years in wow. sales. Yeah. What's a, day, what's a day in the life for you now? Like, so you've, you've moved from, from the brushes, you moved into the, the estimating role. What's a day in the mm-hmm. life for you now? Like, you know, waking up in the morning, 
Are you a early morning riser exercise routine and to the office? And what's, what does it look like? My, yes, I'm an early, I hasn't changed. I'm still an early morning riser, get up, go for a jog or lift weights. Um, but my life has changed. I used to be the first one in the office every day and the last one to leave. But my wife recently went back to law school. We have three kids, 13, 11, and nine, and she went back to law school. And so now she just passed the bar and is working for a firm. So we divide in Carker in the morning and she drops our son off and I drop two of our girls off. So I'm usually in the office around nine and the company has shifted a lot. Um, we now have a COO pretty much running the daily operations and I'm out figuring out what the world's going to look like in a couple of years and dabbling in a few other ventures to see wow. what a tech company that we're playing with. Is that going to take off or not? So we'll see. Wow. So you, you've really genuine, like your, your dream of wearing a suit and being fancy. Yeah. You've really <laughs> moved. Like now you have a CEO who, who as you mm-hmm. said, is running the daily operations for 120 people. So this is obviously a person that you trust immensely. They've got the control and the pulse of all of the different departments. So mm-hmm. now your role is kind of almost freed up and, and you're able to expound those boundaries. Like mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've hit this wearing a suit and being fancy after yeah, yeah, right. 17 years of hard work and grind. Uh-huh. It has. And I think one thing that I remember we were talking um, to a person like how, what made you think this way? There was a book called Cashflow Quadrant that I read years ago by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, yep. You got my, it right behind my, you. My daughter's got it. I've got uh, all of his, oh no, I've got it here. Yeah. There you go. Yep. That book literally changed my life. I just asked myself, what department did I want to live in? Yeah. And so we set out for a while and someone asked me, could have you, like, where are you at financially? Could have you made more money? And I think in construction space, I know a lot of people who've done stuff very differently. And some of them have a ton more money, um, but they have built it. So they have to grind every single day. And there's this isn't about right or wrong. Like Robert Kiyosaki says, there's not a, a right or wrong department. You just have to choose yeah. which one you want to be in. Yeah. Um, but setting a structure up with a company that it can truly function as a business on its own. I really worked hard doing that, which means for years I made less so the business could function and run and put this gentleman in place wow. and the team in place. We just have some amazing people yeah. who are thriving. And it's, that's the most, that's the coolest part is watching them be excited and the leadership opportunities for them to grow up in. Wow. That excites me. It's like, wow, finally, okay, someone gets a chance to thrive besides me. That is amazing, man. That, that's so cool. What was the, um, uh, was there a day, can you remember the day when you, your CEO is in place and when you came into the office and I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and you went, you know what, there's nothing for me to do. Was there a, was there a day that you went, woohoo, I've, I've replaced myself? Um, last summer. After my wife passed the bar and got a job, we went to Thailand. We've never taken like a vacation. Well, we, we've taken lots of vacations, but I don't think I've ever been on a vacation that I could truly, maybe I could have before, but for myself to be able to say, I can check out and be done. And last summer for two weeks, that wow. was it. But then they, uh, the CEO, call, I, I called him. And he's like, you're bored, huh? And I'm like, I am. But I didn't need you. I, I just, I, I was like, I needed something to do. I could only read so much and drink so many beers and by the pool. Wow. Um, but that was cool. That was, but that took 16 years to say, wow. okay, that's, things are all right. They're working. That's unreal, man. That's unreal. So yeah. now that sounds to me like you've, you've strategized, you've planned, 
you've executed and achieved that exact goal that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, now knowing what you know, would mm-hmm. you do anything different? Yeah, I would have listened to people a hell of a lot sooner than I did. That's for Tell sure. Tell me about that. Um, I think there was just, there was people along the way that said, don't grow so fast. I think I tried to grow too fast, too soon. Okay. okay. Um, try to do too many things too quickly. Okay. And I didn't delegate well, good enough. Okay. I think one of the biggest things that I learned was falsely assuming just because someone desires to do something means they're going to figure it out. Right. I didn't, I should have taken more time to train different people the first couple of years instead of just give them chances. I, I think I hurt a lot of people at the couple, first couple of years um, because I burned through them. They either quit, I pushed them out or we had to fire them because I wasn't ready to train and lead people well. Right. That's a process. That took time for me to learn myself of what is my style? What am I good at? What am I not good at? Um, that, that was, that's still sobering to this day, this thing. There's some people that I impacted wrong mm-hmm. because I wasn't mature enough to know what I was and wasn't good at. Yeah, interesting. I, I would um, uh, take this any way you like, but I, I would just put it out there that that was part of their journey as well. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be telling the story somewhere somewhere in their world that they yep. worked with Scott Coatings and didn't have a good experience and that made them do this that has led to something good in their life or whatever. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. I, I hope that's the case. Yeah. I hope that's the case. I definitely hope that's the case. So now we've got, um, you've got an incredible uh, team of people together. How, mm-hmm. how do you go about um, uh, selecting the people that are filling the key roles within your organization. Like I was looking at your about us page on score codings and you've got 45 people that have got high profile positions. You know, they may be the foremans, they may be site managers, they may be, you know, somewhere in the key positions there. How do you select the leaders for those roles? I select the leaders of, of those roles by not selecting the leaders of those roles. I stay out of it now because okay. I will mess it up because I try to hire too quick. Not that I can't like there's the people who are in the key role, COO, um, department of project management and estimating, um, uh, HR. So I've input in all the, the direct reports and then other tiers too. I have input, but what I don't do anymore is be part of the hiring process until the final decision. So there's three pieces of an interview. The first two, I'm not involved in because trust me, I've tried to hire people. Well, I have, I'm not that I tried. I've hired people too quick and made all these promises, some good, some bad, or didn't go through the process right. And it messes everything up around us. Yeah. So now there's a step to do it. We have a great person in HR who, I mean, she has changed the structure, the format, the process. And so now she's like, Rob, stay out. I'm like, oh yes, that's right. I will, I will leave you alone until you ask me to participate. I'll come back when you're ready. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so that that makes sure that the system's working, and I don't want to go in and and break the thing that is keeping everyone happy. Wow, that's hard because I can go in and tinker and get impatient. <laughs> you have to literally force yourself not to do it and just leave it to the people yeah. in place. Yeah. Um, so you've got an amazing HR person. When you're starting in the garage and, and you, you got that first job, you know, out at, at a real estate developer, you're on, the, you're on the brushes from morning to night. Did you ever think that you'd need an HR person, a social media oh. manager, an office manager? Like, have those no. roles kind of just come into your ethos and just go, oh, okay, right, I, I need somebody to handle this for me? Yeah, 
it has like, okay, there's a, a, there's people that we need in these different segments. And I think the thing that's so interesting is I look at, um, I love reading biographies and different people are watching your podcast and listening to it. It is amazing as people have had different journeys along the way, or people have been with a company and then they start their own. It is amazing when you can become more familiar with the different roles and the systems that you need, you can institute those and put those in place right away, right away. Mm-hmm. But my process, I had no familiarity with it. I just knew cash flow quadrant that I wanted to build a business. And a lot of it is just hard knocks. You learn along the way as like, oh God, we need a person to do this function and this function. Well, I hope that I can find that person. And especially when you're an untried name in the industry or you're a locality, you got to take sometimes what you can get because you don't have the money to hire the right person or you just hire the person you think you need and it does or doesn't work. But then when you start gaining a reputation, now you can start hiring a caliber of people because you have that money, you have the budget and people actually believe that you'll follow through on it. So it just, it's a process. I mean, some of the people here now, I, I still to this day laugh. My mom and dad came by our warehouse last month or two months ago for my dad's birthday. My brother and I were walking my dad around in our warehouse and I'm looking at all the different equipment on stacks throughout the warehouse. I'm like, Oh my God, I remember when I bought my first pump and we had to finance it for $3,500. And now we have 15 of them showing up in a warehouse. that are all brand new. I'm like, God, this is crazy. Wow. That's so yeah. cool, man. That's, that's amazing. So you, you've had to learn as you go. Like you've, you've really, as you said, the cash flow quadrant was your framework. How do you, yep. how do you learn stuff? Like, do you, are you a reader? You mentioned you're reading biographies all the time. Do you, do you say to yourself, okay, I need to learn about X and you just go into it or how does that happen for you? Um, I read a lot. Yep. I think that there's been a couple key markers for the company as we've grown. We came across a really great accounting firm. That's probably like the premier accounting firm for contractors in our area. They led us to a law firm that created a lot of opportunities for us in terms of people to not just mentor, but relationships to give you input. And then I joined a local, I don't know if there is one throughout different areas of the world, but it's called Vistage. Okay. It's a resource for CEOs. And locally, if you have a business over a certain dollar amount, you can join the Vistage group. Oh, cool. And that is, there's, there's in my group, there's 18 men and women. We meet every month, all day long. Wow. And it is the most amazing, Amazing resources, almost like a, a board, if you will, a sounding wow. board for you to get advice. Hey, this is a particular, and it's interesting. You can't be in the same industry and every person in that group, there's not an issue that comes up that isn't relevant to you. Even though everyone has different industries because they all revolve around working through people, whether it's your issue, someone else's issue. And that's, that's been a great resource for me to grow as a CEO and to challenge my perspective. But I have had a couple amazing mentors along the way also that I've sought out. Tell me about that. Do you do you say to yourself, um, who is really good in this particular space? Contact them. Hey, can I meet with you for a coffee? Like, is it a formal mental process, or how have you how have you structured that? I think the one that let's see, it was six years ago that kind of defined Scott Codings as we know it today was a very formal process. But my brother, actually, he is over all of our sales and biz dev. Um, his father in law worked for a really large local demolition company, which now is the biggest in the world. And their COO at the time, I was introduced to him. We kind of hit it off. Yeah. And I asked him, hey, would you mind helping me? And he says, as long as you're willing, I'll help you every week and we'll see how this works. And he wow. became a mentor. We met for four hours every single week. And I think he's the one that taught me what being a CEO is. And I'm ADD to the max, always the want to try the latest and greatest. 
And I think Scott Codings was representative of that at that time. And he asked me, he said, if you're willing to commit to this one year and continue to be consistent and patient, you will change and your company will change. And his name is Dave Whitley. And he, he literally changed my life for the wow. better. And it was painful. He was unrelenting. And I, I don't even know why he did it for free. And he really helped me out. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, like, tell me one of the things. You said it was painful. What was, what was something that you had to remold in, to, in the way that you were doing? The, the process. I wouldn't categorize myself prior to him as a very strategic person. I knew what I wanted. I went after it. But planning out the steps to make it happen, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But you don't really, if you don't have a process and a plan, how can you look back to see what did or didn't work without intuition? So he helped me really put formalize, okay, where do you want to be in the next year, five years? Let's put together steps. Let's lead your departments. So you have one-to-ones and things that I really just never thought about. Wow. The structure of, okay, what do you want the business to look like structure-wise? And how are you going to get there, Rob? What is that process? He began to shape that inside of me. And is that, a, is that still a practice that you engage now? It is. It doesn't come more easily now, Rob? It does. It does because it's now it's become a habit. We have one-to-ones at our company. We have, we have weekly meetings with our management team and I'm probably the least attentive person in those meetings, but now I'm, I look forward to them because I get an update on what's going on and it makes everyone more strategic in terms how they go about things. And that's, that works at least for, for me and our team, it works. Uh, So, so the question was, does it come more easily to you now? Is it something that you, still have to remind yourself to do or is it now second nature because it's been engraved from, from your, your mentor there? Um, I think I still have to remind myself to put stuff on my planner, right. to show up for those meetings, to be, to remind myself that structure brings peace of mind, that structure brings success. It's not my nature. I, otherwise I'd go and just be spontaneous every second of every day. Shooting I literally there. have to reinforce and remind myself to do that. Wow, to slow down, to structure up. Sh- so you've got the yeah. foundation to to uh, to build on from there. And you mentioned that um, that that process enables you to look back and say, mm-hmm. "What did we do well? What did we do poorly? And how can we change?" Is that a formal thing within within the company? Yeah. So in construction, every time a project ends, we do a thing called lessons learned. What went right? What went wrong? What do we want to repeat? What do we make sure we never do again? But then we also do that every month and every quarter as a company, just holistically, what are we doing well that we want to continue or put into processes so we can have departments repeat? And then what aren't we doing well? Wow. Um, but we do that. And hopefully I do that with my direct reports and hopefully the direct reports are doing that with their teams as well to help garner and foster success. So let's, let's put ourselves in that meeting. Like, so it's a, it's a meeting with your direct reports and we're, we're literally having mm-hmm. that conversation. What have we done well on this project? Mm-hmm. What have we done poorly on this project? How is yeah. that documented and acted on? Like, what do, you, do you, what do you take from that meeting and how does that actually then flow into action and accountability back to your direct reports? Yeah, that's a great question. We use a, um, a system called EOS. Mm-hmm. So EOS has a... Um, a web-based software called Traction. Mm-hmm. So track. I lost you, Rob. I lost you. I had every single meeting at our company. Sorry, Rob. I lost, open and- I lost, I lost oh. you there. The, the audio cut out after you said Traction. So go from yeah. there. Okay. The web-based software called so, Traction. Yeah, the web-based software we use is called Traction. What it does is it creates the agenda for all of our meetings and uh-huh. it tracks 
what we're what we want to tackle, um, the issues that we have to make sure we document that and keep that. It's a weekly, it creates a weekly cadence for all of our meetings. Wow. And then everyone knows what they need to do, what they're responsible, whatever individual is responsible. And then you need, you know what to do to follow up on. And then you can look back and see where are we gaining traction and where are we not? And so that's formalized throughout our company. Wow. Fantastic. And that gives them that accountability as well. So Mm -hmm. um, hey, John, you know, you said you were going to take care of this. How did that go? And where did you get up to with it? And, you know, do you need help? So rather than John just at the next meeting, go, Oh man, I forgot about that. You you have a, uh, a reminder system is that is that system the EOS traction system something that's on all of the employees desktops every day like are they checking that like a to-do list almost kind of thing yeah and you get an automated reminder too if you have been assigned a task or you signed yourself up for your task you get a reminder hey this is due in x number of days and then when it's done you check it off so when you show up to the meeting hopefully you're not the one that's sitting there with a red item that says undone <laughs> otherwise that's embarrassing to sit around with a team of people and you're the only one hopefully that what a, what a very, very cool psychological trigger because you know that the meeting's coming and you can see, everybody can see the blinking red undone. Yep. You don't want to be that guy. You want to make sure that you do. No. So yeah. that, that would have seen some, uh, some pretty cool acceleration in the, term, in the way that uh, ideas and changes need to be implemented inside, inside of Scott Coatings. Like it would have been a, a big catalyst for making sure things moved quicker rather than just sat around stagnant for a while. It is, but it's really hard too. Remember, change is hard on all of us. Some people adapt to change better or worse, but organizations, the more people you have in an organization, the harder change is to facilitate and to put in place. Mm. So it was it was tough for the first six months. I mean, we were slowly rolled it out from just our management team to then the broader company. Um, but then I think then people are like, well, I don't need this. I don't, who wants accountability? No one really yeah. wants accountability Hands until you start seeing the rewards from it. Yeah. yeah. So then once it's been formalized, now I'd say that I think people like it for the most part Yeah, um, and they want it, but it, it, I think it made us, us go slower at the beginning, yeah. but now we're seeing the results of that flywheel is really picking up pace um, as we've seen it be a truly adopted by everyone. Wow. Awesome. Like, yeah. That's such a cool thing to be able to feel that system um, helping things move forward and yeah, kudos to your mentor for, you know, making sure that that was all, uh, all in a line for you moving forward. So yeah. what else, what yeah. else do you need to do? Like you, so now you, you've opened two offices, you've got 120 staff. Like what's, what's next? How, how, how big is this going to go for you? Well, we have a, a plan in place where we want to be in 10 years. The management team knows that uh, we'll see. We should be, where are we at? Probably at least five times the size we are wow. in the next 10 years. And I think that that could be really amazing and exciting. Yeah. And I think what we do too, the way we focus on culture and make sure that people feel valued. It's one thing to have expectations, create accountability, but a lot of people they're I don't know if you can cuss on this thing, but they're Perfect. assholes. They're 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 not kind. Yeah. And so we talk a lot about being kind. And I think that for us is facilitating exponential growth because in a great economy that we're in in the Seattle market, that it's hard to attract great talent. It's really mm-hmm. competitive. And I think that's true for the global marketplace as a whole. But it's we're finding that people want to be here because we do what we say we're going to do. We have high standards. We expect peak performance. We're actually kind about it. Yeah, we right. don't yell. We're not yelling and screaming at people like the broader marketed for construction, which I'd say are probably yellers and screamers. Yeah. So I think that's where 
create a team that's able to continue to do what we're doing at a pace we're doing. I think that's unlike uh, other people in our space. I know this is not a lot of people, technology, other spaces can run really fast, not in construction. No, because you but have a, a, something that's not I mean, each project has a, has a, a restriction in, in the way that it's created. Like, I mean, we run yep. a software company. So for us, being able to run a sprint, being able to change something completely can happen in two weeks. But for in the construction industry, you're, you're, you're working with steel and concrete. Like these are things yeah. that have a restriction in the, in the speed that they can. Yep. So um, yep. be kind. Is that a mantra within Scott Coatings? Like is that, is that the, the mission statement or the, 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 the glue that keeps you all together? I don't think it's a mission statement. Our mission is to invest in people at every single level. I think it's just something we talk a lot about. Right now as a company this year, we're reading a book called Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal is to teach people in the spaces. What do I feel? Well, how am I feeling? Why am I feeling the way that I am? Because how can I be kind to you, respect you as a human being um, if I don't even understand myself? Mm. And so in doing so, I think it gives everyone the ability to not be an asshole. We don't just talk about being kind. We say we want an asshole free company. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. You could be making us tons of money in any position, but if you're not kind to people and you're an asshole, we don't want you here around yeah. and we'll help facilitate you into a company that's going to admonish the money you make them and let you be in it an asshole. Yeah. But we don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, it's, um, it's not one of our values Let's see. We have honor, creativity, be you. We want you to be you, your ethnicity, gender, sexuality, um, because that's going to differentiate us when we bring in all that diversity um, creativity and grit. Those are our five values that we talk about on a regular, di- regular basis in different ways throughout the company. Super cool. Tell me yeah. about grit. Why is it important? I think grit is important to me. My dad being a fireman, um, raising four kids. I just watched him work countless hours yeah. to do whatever he had to do to make sure we had food on the table. And that was a big deal to me. And I'll, I told a story to my family the other day. I remember when I was, I worked 10 hours one day painting houses with my dad when I was, I don't know, probably a junior in high school, I think. I came home after that long day. My great grandpa, who was 97 at that time, was sitting in the window in a rocking chair. And I came in, said hi to him. His name was Bim Bim. I said, Bim Bim, how's it going today? He said, good, Rob. And I just he, I started complaining, complaining about how hot it was. And I had to go, I had a little side business. I mowed lawns and I was complaining to him. And he said, Rob, he goes, I would trade positions with you in a heartbeat to have my legs be able to move and to feel fatigue and exhaustion. Like you do. I'm just an old man. He goes, you should never complain about having to work hard. And that story, I was probably 17 years old. has stuck with me ever since. If I had the opportunity to work, it doesn't matter how tired I am at least I'm able to do it. Cause there's a lot of people who are in positions that can't. And so I think I've taken that as we've grown the companies and faced different types, sometimes enormous obstacles. I want that to be instilled no matter how successful we are in every level of the organization, in my kids in friends and in this company, because it's so true to who I am. And I watch my great grandpa live it out and be successful. Wow. And I want to make sure I embody that at this company and my family as well. Wow, man, I, I can see how you've grown to where you are. Like, this is uh, super cool for me to see. Like, we talk grit, creativity, honor, be you, and passion. They've come from real places in, in your life. You're bringing them oh, yeah. 
you're bringing them into 120 families and growing right now yeah. and, and helping them uh, live amazing lives as an umbrella for, for bringing that together. Dude, I'm, I'm so impressed. I'm so grateful Thank for you. your time. It's like, it's really cool. So uh, like, is this, is the plan working the way you want it to be now? Are you, are you happy with the plan? Are you comfortable with the direction or do you still beat yourself up and say, Oh, we need to be doing better in this area. Like, how are you, how are you handling it? If I take an honest assessment, I'm really happy. I could not be more happy the way things are growing, structure, the pace at which they're going. I think I, um, why the gentleman that's in place as the COO is because he is much more strategic. That's his natural inclination. He's much more steady and calculated. And we need that. Otherwise, if I let my impatience rule, like we're not doing it fast enough, things aren't working. I'll get in there and I'll, I'll mess it up and frustrate everyone. So I don't think, I think by nature, I'm not, um, things we could always be doing things bigger, faster, more, but honest assessment, man, it's pretty cool to watch things work. It's very cool. And, and from my perspective, the, 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 the wisdom, the intelligence to put these key people in place to, to steer the ship, where you would just like, <laughs> go, oh. just run, go make it crazy. Oh, yeah. You've yeah. put stability in place and you've put structures in place to make sure things are, I'm just like, wow, I'm blown away, dude. Honestly, this is well, thank you. such a cool model, such a cool lesson for anybody that's listening. And guys, if you're, if you're listening, uh, you, you can just head over to uh, it's scottcodings.com and just have a look at those five tenants of, of Scott Coatings as a company, the grit, creativity, honor, be you and passion. And just have a listen to how, how Rob's been able to, to craft and create the team of people that have come on board with him. So, man, you've, you've moved from the, the S quadrant, the self-employed, you know, mm-hmm. working yourself to death, but, you know, yeah. kidding yourself that the freedom was available. And you've yeah. built the B quadrant so very, very well to a point where you can now look at other avenues and, and other things, man. It's just, mm-hmm. that's a massive, it's like the, the brass ring. It's the gold medal. I'm so yeah. thrilled for you. Dude. So you mentioned that you've got um, other projects you're starting to have a look at. Is there other things that are taking your eye now that you're looking forward to putting your, your knowledge from growing Scott Coatings into and seeing if you can create additional systems along the way? Yeah, there's a, a tech company. We created software out of a serious pain point for Scott Coatings. It was just for that to figure out how to solve a problem. What does the future look like? Look, I looked at other companies around to see if we could just buy a software and nothing was available. So we kind of created something for us and come to find out that other people in our construction space need what we have to offer. So looking to see, is this something that I want to jump into to run and to scale? Yeah. Fantastic. I, I can tell you from yeah. a software background that the startup costs are high, but the ongoing costs are awesome. And if you've got the systems in place yeah. and the knowledge to build those, then um, then it can be a lot of fun. And uh, one, yeah. one thing that I love about the software space and the tech space is that you don't need a warehouse full of equipment. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, you can do that without the, without the hard costs that come in the construction industry. Rob yep. Scott, the man behind Scott Coatings, the CEO who has created something amazing from the garage and impacted so many people along the way. Man, I'm so grateful for your time. I know that uh, I've taken you out of that space for, for a good half an hour, but man, I, I've, I'm going back to listen to this again right now with my notepad handy. Um, man, you're amazing. Thank you so much for the, for the opportunity to come and chat to you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Thank it's you awesome. so much.
Cheers. Hey everyone, it's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.